everyone, and welcome back to the It's Good to Talk podcast. So, uh, joining me today is Mike, or as most of us would know, Rhett Wizard. I say most of us, most of us in a certain community, which is the online community, will know him as Rhett Wizard. Um, in fact, it seems strange to call him anything else. I'm sure it's probably the same for him. He knows me most as Up rather than Adam. Um, as a, a lot of us do, we're, we're by those uh, monikers, and we will go into that kind of geekdom and the part of it today. Um, but how are you doing? How are you? Uh- I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, no problem at all. I, I know I'm not the first, though. I was meant to be the first person to have you on a podcast, other than your own, um, but uh, but just missed out on that one. Um, now, obviously, uh, some of you won't know, but um, uh, Rhett also does his own podcast, the Retro Retrogate uh, podcast, which is a gaming podcast. I think I've got the name right, because you went through a name change. Yeah, so... Uh... It was, you know, the top tier podcast when I started. It didn't really take it too seriously. And and then we became the Retro Renegade podcast Renegade. where we focus on, yeah, we we uh, focus on current gaming news, but also a lot of retro gaming and kind of uh, the nostalgia of video games. So that's kind of what we cover. Yeah. So, I mean, I've um, I've appeared on there, although I'm not a gamer, people. I'm really not. Um you know the gray the gray hairs just about showing at the side uh, they're there for a reason i mean um i am older than um rect um so um, <laughs> i'm older than most people that are in the community that we we hang out in so um but uh, but yeah i mean i've been on there and um i think i definitely bring the retro uh, to it because a lot of the games i only know because i played them back in the early 90s or uh, just just got to put this out there because this is this is a bit of a running joke in um rect's a podcast when I'm in there. I'm also old enough to remember Game Gear is far better than Game Boy. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> I remember that anyone that's in my primary school in Skeynes Hill back in the early back in like 1990, you'll remember me bringing it in and you're crowding around me. So um, uh, yeah, well, I mean, with that, obviously, um, I say I, I've titled this. We haven't. I haven't titled this um, podcast properly yet, but I think. The idea of geekdom is something that I think a lot of people have started to realize. One is important, um, but also is something that we can actually find some solace in. Um, I mean, I've talked to people on here before about gaming, about online communities, um, but specifically a, a form of geekdom, whether that's you know people being into anime or people being into um, you know retro gaming or being into star trek or whatever it is there seems to be something that's really kind of you know therapeutic and and a therapy and i've said this before therapy doesn't mean getting on a couch and talking with someone okay this isn't an episode of frasier um that isn't what therapy really means therapy is something that gives you a time to reflect and to help you move forward. It doesn't just have to be a talking therapy. And I think um, geekdoms are definitely a move towards a form of therapy. So, I mean, does that feel like something for you? I mean, obviously you took some time out from from Twitch yourself, as I currently am doing, and then you came back with with the rebrand and everything like that. So have you found some kind of solace and, and workability within that as well? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I feel like my entire life, uh, video games was kind of that escape uh, from the, you know, like the real world and all the bullshit out there. Um, And I think it's that way for a lot of people. Uh, You know, it's definitely video games to me are or being a nerd or a geek or whatever. It's definitely 
looked at differently today than it was when like we were growing up. Right. I mean, mm. it wasn't cool to play video games or be a geek or a nerd or be into these things like anime or, you know, it, it just wasn't, but it was still our escape. And, you know, even at, at 30 years old, uh, you know, video games for me is, is, is still my escape, uh, you know, and I did take a break from Twitch for a while, um, just because, you know, a lot, I don't think a lot of people realize jumping into Twitch, uh, that it's, it's, it's so much more, if you're taking it seriously, or it's something that you, you're very passionate about or dive deep into, uh, it, it affects your mental health a lot more than people realize, yeah. um, before they start doing it. And for a while I, I, I took a, you know, I want to say a little break. It wasn't too long, but I realized, uh, you know, I was, I was wanting to rebrand because I, I enjoyed retro games and basically the nostalgia of my childhood, the good times, the, the video games that I grew up with um, more than a lot of the current stuff that has come out. And so I've been, you know, collecting retro video games and, and, you know, memorabilia for, for a while now. And I, I just, I felt like it was something that a lot of people in my age group could relate to. And I could have conversations with like, you know, people like you up where, uh, you know, we could talk about the games that we grew up as kids and it brings back so many good memories. And it is that escape and that, that, you know, that feeling of just, I don't know, joy, I guess. And uh, everything else doesn't matter in that moment. So yeah, I, I'm happy to be back and this is the happiest I've been on Twitch and I've been on there almost two years now. Um, and I think a lot of people are enjoying it and a lot of people like getting together and sharing their stories with us, um, of what video games meant to them growing up or what being a geek meant to them growing up. And it's been nice, man. And, and I feel like I've gotten more of a connection with, you know, the viewers or the guests than I ever have before. Cause people love to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, some of us as well get quite, um, I mean me guys get quite irate about certain things as well it's just the kind of because people have their favorite video games and I think that's that's the thing is but it's more accepted as well now isn't it that, that you have those geekdoms um pe- people are far more open like I don't know back it so Pokemon I can see behind you for instance um I because I, I can see was it Charmander um yeah uh, and um Psyduck and things like that now I, I I think I was too old for these for this both time ra- times round basically I was I was too old the first time and I was too old when it came back. So I've never got into it. Um, but I remember it being very kind of shunned when I was when I was younger, first time round. And now, like fucking Logan Paul is is buying Pokemon and making it millions of pounds. And the Sidemen, who are the biggest like YouTube group in the UK, are all known to have their favorite side, uh, their, their favorite Pokemon. And it's just like, what the fuck? And like uh, KSI, who's a member of the Sidemen, but KSI, who is, you know, the guy that boxed Logan Paul, but also now has a company with Logan Paul, Prime um, Drinks, uh, which, you know, are making fucking shit loads of money, you know. Right. Give me some stocks. Um, but, you know, and, and has been, you know, is a, is a rapper um, and singer that, you know, was a, a, um, nominated for a Brit Awards. Like, he's a, a, a genuine, not just a YouTuber anymore. And this guy spent £250,000 on a giant, um, like, necklace of a character from Dragon Ball Z. And I'm just like, if that ha- you can imagine this back in the 90s and early 2000s. People have been like, what the fuck, you geek? Like it's 
those are those kind of people, the jocks and, and that kind of attitude seems to be the one that's very much looked down on now. Whereas back then it was the other way around. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's definitely changed. And it is, it is good. I think people are coming together. I think that's actually part of the reason that being a geek, um, I will specify here as well, cause I, and I realize this makes me more of a nerd for specifying, but there is a genuine difference between nerd and geek. So anyone that doesn't, want, doesn't know, geek, anyone can be a geek about anything. Even if you don't consider yourself a geek, if you're a massive fan of something and you know it very well, you are a geek about that. A nerd is when it's scholastic and more educational. That's why I specifically use the word geek, just for anyone that's right. out there. And I'm well aware by using those terms, that specifically, I'm a fucking nerd. Um, but that's, <laughs> that's also the reason that I think geek has become popular because it allows people to be them. And I think that's right. why it's so um, important for mental health is that people who spent their lives sheltered or spent so much not being able to talk about what they enjoyed or what they liked meant that they were just shut out. No one ever wanted to, to know. It's, it, and now it's like, no, no, I, I like this stuff. Fuck it. I don't get, you know, this is, this stuff's fun. You know, even if it's from, I mean, like people will watch um, cartoon films. And I know still some people that go, oh yeah, but they're, they're cartoons, they're not for adults. I'm like, fucking Rick and Morty, Simpsons, Family Guy, American Dad. Tell me the cartoons aren't for fucking adults. I um, was literally watching, I was watching South Park uh, literally before we started the podcast. Yes. So. I mean, the 1990s, bigger, longer, and uncut. You know, yes. Satan is having sex with Saddam Hussein. Fucking tell me that is for kids. Like, what the hell? It's, but people got stuck into that. And I think probably South Park actually is one of the one of the first to to start moving the the goalpost for that. But yeah, geekdom does seem to have definitely changed this idea for people. And obviously with, with video games specifically, we've only just probably during lockdown actually started to see research that that is genuine. And you know we've had so much. And the Netherlands tend to do research, which is just bullshit. Um, and you still have people coming out going, oh well the. You know, there's there's research that says otherwise. There's research that says it's bad. I mean, you've got um, you've got people like um, Isabella Granick, who is in um, Nijmegen, who talks about the fact that you know, oh, it's it's um, bad. There's been so much research that shows that it's um, it causes aggression and things like that. It's like yes, but then the research that has been done in lockdown, specifically with Animal Crossing and Plants vs Zombies save the neighborhood attack the neighborhood something like that um fight for the neighborhood fuck it battle for the neighborhood that's the one um when they did the research in real time actually in real time they noticed that people's well-being and happiness rocketed and there was no feeling of fucking aggression it's because they were asking people after events to look back on events right which is exactly the same as putting someone on the stand and asking for a witness um, testimony a witness testimony, which most um, lawyers will tell you, they fucking hate because people's memory is shit. So right. we based an entire thing of uh, against video games and against that kind of thing because of someone's shoddy memory. And yet the research that actually happened in real time, the first research of its, ta- of its kind anywhere, which I think it was in the UK, um, just went, no, no, it's, it's clearly good for you. Like, it's clearly fucking good for you. Um, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, there's a there's a British comedian called Russell Howard who also who always pointed out that if it really affected us that much, if we were really that weak minded that it was affecting us specifically, like it was making us do stuff. Why aren't more of us becoming plumbers and eating mushrooms? Because they were the biggest 
biggest by far characters you can think of of all time of all yes. time doesn't matter how many people know who master chief is now everyone knows who the mario brothers are um you know that would be who we were but right. of course we're not because the people that are aggressive because of video games were already aggressive fuckers like <laughs> yeah well i remember you know um and you might recall this but back when the uh the shooting at columbine happened here in the states uh the first thing they went and blamed was video games, violent video games, violent movies, you know, and yeah. uh, I, I think that uh, that is just garbage or propaganda spewed by people that have no idea what video games actually do for people. Mm. You know, I mean, I play all those. I play violent video games all the time, all the time, and I don't go shoot up a school. Right. Like, it's just uh, I just think that. uh Again, video games all the way up until recently have just been so looked down upon as, you know, a waste of time or just just bad for you. And I, I don't know. I've seen studies where it, it does so many good things from, you know, for educational purposes or, uh, you know, reflect, uh, reflexes or just uh, really exercising the brain. I mean, there's, you know, there's so many different types of games out there from puzzle games. I mean, most games, even the violent ones, there's puzzles in them that makes your brain work nonstop. And then, you know, you hear the the garbage of, you know, why, why would you want to sit in a room all day and play video games instead of like having a social life? Yeah. Well, look at, look at what we're doing right now. I met you through Twitch and I consider you a friend now and I love having a relationship with you. And yeah. uh, I've met tons of amazing people through video games and Twitch has been nothing but a positive reinforcement in my life. And I wouldn't, and I don't ever plan on leaving and I don't care if I make partner or, you know, I'm the next ninja. It doesn't matter. I, I do it because I love the people and I love hanging out and making friends because that's what it's about. Yeah. It's, it's that thing. It's just finding something that you can then, I mean, Twitch has been somewhere that you found that you can play games rather than, it being for something else. And I mean, it, it, the thing that I always find funny with, with video games, um, for me specifically, is I have had people say to me at times, and I'm not a gamer, that, oh, you know, those things will... Because will, um, I used to like playing Tekken, original right. Tekken, like the old school, um, on the fucking arcade games, uh, like in an arcade, which um, I know still kind of exists in America, but they really don't over here, like in an arcade. Um, and people saying, like older people at the time saying, oh, that'll make you violent and all this. And I'm like, what I find funniest about that is I'm an act, I've been an active martial artist that has trained in martial arts, grading for the first time in 1989 and training other people in self-defense and martial arts, actively being in tournaments where I hit people, threw them into the ground. At no point was I ever told that that was going to make me aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> Why the in the name act. of fuck does me actually being or not? I mean, I wasn't being aggressive. It was something else. But how the fuck do you go around? OK, it's controlled, but literally hitting people, kicking people, throwing people, you know, trying to put them in pain so that you can get the points. And not being told you're aggressive or that that can make you aggressive. But the second a little um, pixelated character on a screen kicks someone on a 2D image, oh, well, that'll make you aggressive. What fucking planet are you on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just makes yeah. no sense. It's this very no. weird, old school, conservative thing. Basically, if we can't see, if we don't know how it works, it must be bad. 
exactly. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. That's exactly it. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the people, you know, like my parents' generation, they still don't understand it, right? Like, to an extent. Um, my parents, they in the beginning, they didn't understand what the hell Twitch was. You know, mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, I still remember having the conversation with my dad at work. Um, and you know, my dad is kind of like old school uh, construction worker, football player. His family owned a bar, so he worked at the bar. You know, kind of rough around the edges in old school. And I remember we were working a job um, in San Francisco. And we were eating our lunch at the job site. And he goes, so this Twitch thing. I go, yeah. He's like, so you play video games and people watch you. And I was like, well, that's part of it. Um, But yeah, kind of. And he goes, well, why don't they just play the video games themselves? And I said, okay, well, imagine this. For me, the video games are kind of like, to an extent, for some creators, the background noise of, and you know, the, the person that put it best to me is our friend, Jeremy from it's nostalgic magic. Uh, He likes to look at us as more of entertainers on Twitch. And the way I explained it to my father was, you know, there's Joe Rogan, there's Howard Stern, they have their shows and the focus is about them and they are entertaining their audience that's what I'm trying to do. I am an entertainer. This is my show. People come here to watch me and the things that I do or watch my podcast the same as they would a Joe Rogan. And when I broke it down to him in that aspect, he completely understood. Um, but I, you know, explaining it to people is, 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 you know, half the battle. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those weird ones. I mean, specifically on Twitch, I mean, not everyone watching or listening to this will necessarily know what Twitch is. Basically Twitch is, is, is just a streaming platform that you can do whatever you want on. So I have yeah. two channels. I game on one of them um, when I can be asked. And the other one on my mental health stream, I have nothing to do with, with um, games. But um, what I find funny is if you go back to the 80s and 90s, um, in America anyway, um, you used to have, um, I can't remember what it's called now, but it was you watched a movie and there were two characters that used to watch the movie along with you. And and I've forgotten what it's called now. Uh, but uh, that was a thing in in America, and no one ever questioned that. <laughs> and they would talk for the entire fucking film. <laughs> right. And you're like, but, but that was popular. And, and you're watching people watching a film. Now, that, to me, is fucking crazy, because they're not bringing anything to it apart from making some shitty jokes. And it's like, but this apparently is, is different. Now, like I say, my experience on, on Twitch specifically is completely different, because I, especially when I started, I don't do that. Now, I have my gaming channel now, but I, I don't. The one I'm popular on, the one I'm known for, is is mental health. Um, but those that, that do game, is is that kind of, you're sharing an experience um, of, especially for yourself, you're sharing a, a, a retro experience. You're, you're kind of going, you know, how many people, um, I think I've probably done it on, on the podcast, just when you've mentioned something, you've gone, oh, yeah, yeah I remember that time. game. And it's, it's, it's not about even the game sometimes. It's more about the kind of, fuck yeah, I'm, yeah, when we were kids, we used to play that. And oh my God, it's, it's just n- nostalgia. It's, it's everyone coming together and going, oh man, I, you know, I remember the, you know, the good old days. 
And, yeah. you know, you wouldn't go to a bar and say to someone, well, stop, stop reminiscing about the, the 80s, you fucking idiots. But for some reason, when, when it's people doing it with games, oh, well, you're weird. What the fuck off? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's hilarious. You get those people that think it's cool to still have a mullet and drive a Trans Am, you know, and, and talk about their, the, yeah, talk about <laughs> their, you know, the glory days of high school football. But, you know, heaven forbid you talk about the weekend you rented a game at Blockbuster and you and the friends stayed up all night beating it, right? Because then you're a fucking geek or a nerd. And, yeah, it's just – it's such a double standard, right? Like, I I make fun of people because it's like – and don't get me wrong, I like sports. But it's like, you know, when people are like, yeah, so people actually come and sit and watch you play video games. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, well, why don't they just play on themselves? And I'm like, "Do do you watch the NFL? Do you watch football? yeah well isn't it more fun for you to go outside and play football why do you sit and watch these guys play football it's because it's entertaining it's the same fucking thing it's just ass backwards yeah i mean it's 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 so strange i mean for anyone for any um people that aren't american out there when he when rex says football he means american football so american football soft rugby um (laughs) (laughs) rugby with padding uh but yeah i mean it's it's you know it, it is that weird thing and like you say you get you know planted as a geek or a nerd and you know to, to loop back it's it's that thing where well actually you know if you're uh, for instance you about the nfl if you are a, a you know an nfl fan that knows everyone's fucking stats for the past 20 years you're a geek like yes deal with it you may not be a nerd i'll let you off of that one but you're a fucking geek you know those yeah. stats inside out you are an nfl geek that's literally it that's, that's what you are but right. you know it's but you know, okay, we, we use the word stan now, which I, I find fucking hilarious as well. It's because, you know, I love how people have used, started using, oh, you're a stan for this. You mean a, a creepy weirdo that ends up killing himself? Like, what the fuck are you on about? Anyone that doesn't know where stan comes from, that's an Eminem song. It's an Eminem song about someone who literally murders himself and his pregnant girlfriend. Why the fuck are we using that in a good way? Just seriously. Right. Um, but you know, you're a geek, you're a geek for whatever it is. And that's fine because as I say, that's accepted. And it is weird that some geekdoms have been accepted and some of them haven't, but it is nice to see. I think the, the, the generation, um, below us, you're, you're a younger millennial. So, you know, I mean, I'm one of the elders, um, but the generation below us, is starting to do that you know he's just kind of like oh, we don't fucking care you know for instance the obvious thing is like selling out the idea of selling out just doesn't exist anymore so you, right. you think of like people were were very geeky and very protective of certain bands or of like underground gaming companies or comic books and that doesn't happen anymore because they're just out there immediately and so being right. a geek or, or following it is just completely normal because the way that you'd get it popular doesn't it doesn't equate to the idea of not making money from it anymore that's just not a thing you know you mentioned to someone now oh it's selling out and they're like what the fuck are you know about selling out i'm making something of course i want to be paid you know there's, right. there's kind of there's days of doing it without it just don't exist and it, it's it's so it, it's so strange how it has kind of changed i remember you, also you said blockbuster and i'm wondering how many people listening or watching this will know what blockbuster is Oh, I know. And, and, and you know, what's funny is we actually still have one left. Um, yes. Oregon is it? And, yeah, Bend, Oregon. Um, and it's funny. Uh, 
speaking of Blockbuster, I was actually visiting an aunt and uncle of mine that I haven't been to their house in, in years because they live, uh, you know, about four hours away. Mm-hmm. And I finally, a couple weeks ago, decided, you know what, I'm going to come up and visit you and stay a couple days. And I, I go up there and they still had uh, their Nintendo 64 with all of their games. And they had this old Blockbuster cheat code book. It's like it looks like a Harry Potter chapter book. It it literally looks like a chapter book, and it is literally cheat codes for the PlayStation 2, the GameCube, or no, I'm sorry, for the PlayStation 1, the N64, and the Dreamcast, and the Game Boy Color. So the 90s, it's from the 90s, and they still had it in pristine condition, and they let me take it. They're like, here, put it in your collection. It's cool. So I got a Blockbuster book actually on the shelf from the 90s. I feel like that's probably worth quite a bit. <laughs> like, it could be. It could be. It's in great shape. Um, but I miss those days, man. I, I miss those days of, you know, it's Friday night. You're hanging out with your best friends. And it's, you know, it's summertime. You go down to Blockbuster and you get to rent a movie and a game. And, you, you know, and your friends, you'd always pick the scariest fucking movie. And you'd get popcorn and candy. And you'd stay up in the living room. And your parents would go to bed. And you'd stay up all night watching horror movies and playing video games. And, yeah, man. I mean, I think that's really part of the reason why I did start the Retro Renegade podcast is because it's like with this collection or or just the relationships I have with my friends, um, I've been buying back my my childhood and I'm enjoying it. Like, yeah, like not every item in my collection is expensive, but everything holds a core memory to me, you know, and it just makes me happy, like picking something up and be like, like you said earlier, like, Oh shit, I remember this and I I had this and you ever have that moment where like you have you know absolutely no memory of something it's completely been out of your mind for years you and then you see it and you just have this flood of memories come back in like I remember this I did I played this here at this time with this person and it was so much fucking fun like I love that rush that that just I don't know what it is, whether it's dopamine or whatever, but just that feeling of just sheer happiness from your childhood. I think that's why I do what I do. Um, you, you've literally hit the exact right chemistry there. It is dopamine. Dopamine is a, is um, it works with um, uh, your memory. So it's a, it's um, it, it basically it, it works along with serotonin. So it'll boost your serotonin when the dopamine kicks in to help you with the memory. So it's it's a memory drug effectively in your brain that pushes along with the serotonin and it remembers right. it along with the serotonin so if you had a good time first time the serotonin spiked along with the dopamine so if the dopamine is hit again the serotonin spikes which is why you have a happy um thing with it um <laughs> so yeah me going on <laughs> but yeah i mean it is is i mean i was a i was a, a film geek massive film geek um and, you know, that was, it had the same kind of thing about it, really, as, as, as gaming and a lot of other things, any kind of geekdom, I, really, I, I think. It was kind of, oh, God, why are you, like, why do you know all this kind of stuff? But then when I went to university, okay, this was still a while ago, but when I went to university, this is how I managed to get through um, my drinking at university, because I used to go to the film, um, the, the film students did their own, like, quiz and I went along with one other person and me and him together just beat everybody every single time because he'd worked in Blockbuster and I'd watched every <laughs> fucking film ever made. And so right. we were just going and, and the prize every time was another film, a DVD and a, a crate of beer. <laughs> so we're there nice. Going, cool. And we literally started selling off the beer 
two other people because there'll be people in the bar be like, oh yeah, man, they've 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 like they're not serving me anymore. I'm like, fuck it, yeah, okay, well, five quid, have a have a beer. Like we're fucking, <laughs> like, we won this for nothing. Like we got twenty four right. beers, you keep going. And it's so that I mean, it actually becomes useful as well. And I mean, games as well, or even like. I said about Pokemon earlier with um, them becoming popular and really expensive now is it actually has created work for people like massively you know good work you know people have managed to get actually um, pretty lucrative deals off of this from you know you said about Ninja earlier I mean fucking hell I, I'm not a fan of Ninja but he's made bank off of it um, right. and and um, you know you've got people now you've got developers so you know, all those kind of different things in the past. I mean, if we're looking at, you know, proper kind of geeky behavior, you've got Good Mythical Morning, who were formerly, formerly the channel was known as Rhett and Link, um, who are older than both of, both of us. They're in their 40s. Who, you know, one of them worked for IBM. They were engineers. They have degrees in engineering. They're from, um, oh, shit, North Carolina. One of them was originally right. from Georgia, but North Carolina. They moved to California and just started being geeks and just being mates on YouTube, and now they're fucking multi-millionaires. You know, they left lucrative jobs. One, like I say, one of them was in IBM, but both of them were engineers, and they've just gone into the geeky side of stuff. They occasionally, but not that often, they'll they'll play games, um, like they put VR on and just done stuff like that. But they'll just be mates and just uh, do some geeky crap. They'll do remin- reminiscing about stuff. They actually have their own podcast where they just reminisce about stuff, and they right. they left engineering jobs to do that. And I think that's something, and I think that they're, they're happier. They're, they're happier because of it. And I think that's, that's the important thing is that they've, they aren't, it's not just this idea of like we, our grandparents or for me, my parents back in the 50s and 60s, you go to work and you just go, yeah, I've had work. Now I go home. I have my dinner. Now I go to bed. I go to work. And, and there's no life, you know. Right. Now it's like, no, no, no. You can, you can actually, you can enjoy things. You can enjoy things and you don't have to, you know, hide that behind something. You don't have to hide the fact that you're into anime or that you're into Pokemon, you're into games or you're into comic books, you know, or you're into right. Star Wars. Uh, you know, you don't have to hide that. It's not a geeky thing. Right. And, and you know, for me, uh, you know, I working in construction, I, I, I've been in, I've been doing it since uh, I turned 18 and got into the union uh, and uh, still doing it 12 years later, almost 13 years. And honestly, I mean, if the money wasn't the, what it was, I wouldn't be doing it. And because like, let's be real, who wants to work with their back and work in construction, you know, for the rest of their life. So what I, you know, speaking of what you said earlier, you know, that old school mentality of like, you, you go to work and that's what you do and that's it. Um, I've honestly, since I've been on Twitch, uh, I've kind of realized that I want to work to live, not live to work. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things for me where, um, you know, when I leave the construction site, I don't talk about the construction site anymore. When Once the minute I am off the clock, I focus on the things that I love doing. And I've kind of programmed it in my brain at this point to where I do my job so that it can pay for the things that I love to do. And that's kind of how I cope with not really enjoying my job because, you know, it's hard work. It's, it's every day, you know, three in the morning till eight o'clock at night, Monday through Friday, sometimes Saturdays. And uh, it's, it's not fun. It's not great, but 
you know, you do what you have to do. But then, you know, this was a conversation that I had with my wife literally yesterday. As I said, you know, the minute we leave those jobs, leave all that bullshit there. That that I do not bring that shit home with me. When I get home, I it's my family, it's the video games, it's Twitch, it's my friends, uh, online and in the you know in real life, um, because I just found that uh, I'm at a point now at 30 years old with a wife and a mortgage and and just bills that it's kind of hard for me to you know quit my job and like do a reboot of like going back to college or doing a career change, especially here in the U S where, you know, like for example, our healthcare is tied to our job. If I, if I leave my job, we lose our healthcare or, you know, you know what I mean? So it's one of those things where like, yeah, (laughs) and it's one of those things where at 30 years old, I'm like, well, I work in construction and what else is there out there? And and that's kind of why I started doing Twitch was because, uh, for the first time in my adult life, I feel like with Twitch, I'm kind of in control of, you know, what I want to do. And that's basically why I do it. Um, I was, I started on Twitch during the, obviously the pandemic when it first kicked off, uh, all job sites, construction sites were completely shut down because OSHA did not know what they wanted to do as far as having job sites and construction sites open during COVID and this, you're talking March of like 2020. Yeah. And uh, you know, my wife uh, you know, she has a job, a government job. So she wasn't shut down yet. So she kept working and I, you know, our baby wasn't here yet. So I was at home and for like three months before they started opening job sites up again, and just sitting in this house, like you can't go anywhere because it's COVID. You can't, you're not supposed to, you know, see your friends or your family. So I'm sitting in this house alone for three months going fucking stir crazy. Like, and then I started, and this is going to sound corny, but he's, you know, a big YouTuber and, uh, you know, he was big on Twitch, but now he strictly streams on YouTube. But uh, I started watching a lot of Harris Heller videos. He came up on my feed and he's a guy who basically is like a like a live streamer coach, like gives advice, tech advice, streaming advice. And this was before I started streaming on Twitch and I just started watching his videos. And I was like, you know what? I would like to do that. I think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, I, I dislike my job, but it pays the bills. But this is something that I can do and make it mine and and really enjoy it and and do something that I love. You know what I mean? And and that's kind of why I do it. And and I just get such an enjoyment out of it that I again, like I said earlier, I don't ever plan on really leaving for, you know, or at least anytime soon. Yeah, it's it is one of those things I have to say, I I oh knocking my camera there. Um I have to say I, I had literally never heard of um Harris Heller until pretty recently. I actually find I, I do, I'm gonna admit I, I find him quite annoying and patronizing, but there we go. Um <laughs> but hey there we go it's it's all for all kinds but yeah i mean i so obviously it's very different and i think this is where especially mental health gets hit even worse in america that you have a job that you can't leave because you you need health care um and yet you know because of the way that it's set up you then can't actually get any help to see you through the fact that you're 
potentially unhappy or that you don't have any enjoyment out of it because that's something on your healthcare and it's the fuck like i mean because yeah. so at the same time as that march i think was it march or april i um i've talked about it on here before but obviously i, I went through a fucking shit time but before lockdown and then lockdown just kind of capped that fucker off so i immediately i was i worked at university i i, I was i was working in education i was um you know i, I was working for a, for a university in the southeast of england um and um you know i i, I did some things on, on specializing with, with with mental health and stuff with people there but not you know hugely but i did do it within there and you know i had that interaction with students and then um, I just went, you know what? Fuck you, I'm gone. And I just, because I could, at that time I could, and I just went, I'm done. And I just quit. And there was no looking back. And it's, and I think, uh, you know, as we said about the, the, the attitude change, because there were people, so many people at the time, because I'd wanted to quit for a while. I didn't, I didn't like it. Don't like the university. Canterbury Christchurch University, you fucking shit. Um, that's not the people I worked with. That is specifically you at the top stop pretending that you're a university um uh, you know i i had told people i wanted to quit people knew i wanted to quit but i was good at my job so they you know i was fine you know i i was one of the few people that seemed to be able to to their face tell the senior management team you're fucking useless and not get fired so um but <laughs> then I, I had people around me going oh yeah but you'll be back you know you, you'll be back you you'd never leave and i just went okay there you go i'm leaving done and that was it and I had, that was two years ago. And there's not even a, a smidgen. There's not even a, a small part of me that, that wants to go back anywhere near them. I don't get me wrong. I want to I want to be in education. And, that, you know, at some point in the future, I may want to to because to, I do private tutoring now. I might want to lecture and things like that again. But not there, not, right. not in the same kind of job, um, because that wasn't happy. Now, luckily, healthcare isn't it's weird because we don't talk about healthcare as healthcare here. It's just because it's just there. And let's right. be honest, it's there for every other country on the fucking planet. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, um, it's, it's only America that, that seems to separate it because, you know, insurance firms want to make money. Um, but, and I will point this out for anyone in America that thinks it's all, oh, well, it's, the, it's the pharmacies that are pushing this down. It's all the pharmaceutical companies. I used to work for a pharmaceutical company in England we still can only charge people £9.50 as a maximum for any prescription, as a maximum. It's a standard baseline for anything. Um, right. So, you know, it, it's, not, it's, it's the fucking government. It's not the pharmaceuticals companies. Stop vilifying them because, yes, there's a lot of people that are complete arseholes, but if the government didn't let them do it, they couldn't. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I had that ability to just go, right, I'm done, because that was better for my mental health. It was better for me to just go, I can't fucking do this. I'm not going to do this. And then I, you know, I ended up, I mean, I, for Twitch, where I ended up there is because I was watching other, you know, there's a lot of other stuff going on as well, but I was watching Twitch streamers. And then one of them just went, well, why don't you turn the camera on? Why don't you just start talking? Um, and, and so I did. And then I talked for like two hours, um, just laying into Rain Man and what a shit and awful film it is um, and how it's just completely wrong. And um, I had people going, oh, that's incredible. How did you do that? I was like, what the fuck are you on about? And they're like, you talked for two hours about a film that wasn't even on the screen. Like, you just talked for two hours. I was like, is that not normal? <laughs> and they're like, no. I was like, oh, so basically the fact that I don't shut the fuck up is, is helpful. <laughs> cool. Great. 
Um, I mean, I actually started the podcasts before that. The podcasts were started before that because I was also studying at university and they were part of um, of the, the groups that I was part of. So this podcast originally started for Student Minds, which is the, um, you know, the group I was, I was president for. So that, that started there. And then they became independent much, much later, um, probably end of 2020. Um, so I was right. able to then to talk about things, but it was all, I, I think the ability of being able to actually look after my mental health rather than have to worry about being in a, in a specific job for that. But, you know, like you say, when you're, when you have to effectively switch off from your work, when you leave your work, there's something not good about that, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, not everyone is going to do that. You know, not everyone's going to leave work and be like, Oh yes, you know, this happened at work. But if you have to almost, segregate it out there's there's a somewhat of an issue as well oh absolutely i i totally agree um but you know it's just it's one of those unfortunate things that like i don't know i kind of came to terms with the fact that these were the decisions that i made you know i instead of going to college or you know choosing a different career path or following my dreams or at least giving it a shot I chose the money early on because it does pay well and it's, you know, you didn't need an education for it and you just jump right into it. And I started doing it and then I kind of, you know, you pigeon, so you, you like pigeonhole yourself into like a corner to where, you know, you acquire all these bills like a mortgage or car payments, or, you know, you have a family, I have a brand new daughter and you at a point in your life where like, I have to make this much money to maintain our lifestyle and to take care of my family, I can't quit or take a massive pay cut because then the bills don't get paid. So I kind of was coming up with plans in my head of like, okay, so if I can't quit my job, what's the next best thing? And for me, the next best thing was going on social media and Twitch and playing video games and making content and, uh, you know, just doing that because then I felt like my own boss. I felt like it was my own thing that I built from the ground up. Uh, and it was something I was in control of. So unfortunately, yeah, I mean, living in America, our healthcare and is tied to our job. And so, you know, granted my wife has a, a good job with the government. So, I mean, we're double covered, right? We have hers and mine, which, you know, uh, it's going to sound weird to someone that's not from America because healthcare is just, it's just normal there you have it but having double coverage here you almost kind of get like the red carpet treatment of like they look they bring up your file and they go oh he has really good insurance oh he has two really good insurances that means we're going to get paid so you get really nice special treatment which is bizarre but I mean it's the system that I live in so I'm not going to complain about, I'm going to complain about it, but I'm not going <laughs> to, but like, I'm not going to bitch if I get sick and I get my own room at the hospital because they roll off the red carpet because they know they're going to get paid. It's a fucked up system. I don't agree with it when the rest of the industrialized world has some form of universal Even the industrialized coverage. world. I mean, not, not even I, industrial, the rest of the world. Full stuff. It, I mean, it, yeah. it, it, it's funny. I mean, I always find it because people always go, oh, yeah, but there's private health care in, in England. Oh, I've done private because of this. I'm like, yeah, and about 37% of them go back to the NHS within a year because of how much better it was on the NHS. I always because because um, American um, senators and things that go, yeah, but you have to wait for five hours in, in uh, waiting rooms and stuff like that. I was like, 
one, no, not everywhere. And two, what about if you had to find out which insurer you were covered by? How long does that take you? Because it's longer than five oh, hours. Oh, dude. dude they're, they're, there's fucking wait times here. There's wait times here. There's, you know, they're so full of shit. I mean, Wait, you can go they to... Pretend, in... They pretend by basically saying, oh, yeah, but if I walk into it and I'm insured, I'm fine. Yes, but it's taken you two weeks to figure out whether you're insured. Here, we just go to the hospital. <laughs> You know, <laughs> well, the crazy thing is, is like, for example, if you had to go to the emergency room, you'll go into the emergency room. And unless it's like a gunshot wound or you're having a heart attack, mm. you're going to sit in that fucking waiting room with all the other sick as fuck people. And then when they finally bring you in, you're going to if they have a room for you, which is very slim to none, especially with covid, you're going to be put on a bed or in a chair inside the back room and you're going to sit there even longer until they can get to you. So, you know, insurance only goes so far here. And and I love when people are like, well, you know, there are literal death panels in other countries because, you know, people get put on these waiting lists. And I was like, yeah, we have death panels here too. It's called fucking money. If you don't have money, you don't have fucking insurance. You ain't getting, you know, you got to pay to live here. Right. Like it's, it's crazy that we have these insurance companies that have like this mob like mentality where they're profiteering off your health and it's normal here. Like people just, and, and the propaganda of just like, you know, being on Twitch. And this is another thing why I love Twitch meeting people like you, Adam, or, or like Angelus who's in Canada. And I ask you guys straight up, I'm like, Hey, so when you go to the doctors and you have something done, how much does it cost? You're like nothing. And I, and I'm like, how long did you wait? practically no time at all and i'm like really because here they tell you that you're going to wait three months for something if you go you know in canada and they don't have enough doctors and it's all fucked up over there and that's why they come to america because hell because our doctors are so fucking great it's like dude go to another part of the world and speak to people man you'll find out it's fucking not what you're being told no i mean the, the funniest one for me is when people bring up mick jagger i'm like yeah well he doesn't go back to the uk for stuff he's in america i'm like yeah you know why because he's a fucking tax avoider so, because if he came back to the UK, we'd be like, pay your goddamn taxes, then we'll treat you. Like, that's why right. he doesn't, that's why he doesn't come here to, for the, that's because he doesn't, like, weirdly enough, he's actually paying, <laughs> paying differently there. But yeah, it is strange. I mean, I always have people like, because we have GPs here, which is like, a, you, you know, your, your like town doctor, like, you know, that kind of thing, which is just a normal doctor that you can see normally. I, I, I can ring up, like, what is the time? For me, it's, uh, it's nine o'clock. So the surgery opened at about 8 a.m., half eight. I could ring up and I'd go and see them this afternoon. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, like it's, it's always strange to me. Like, oh, it takes you ages to see the doctor. No. no. Dude, if I, <laughs> if, if I were to call right now, well, granted, it's one in the morning, but let's pretend it's the middle of the day. Yeah. And I, and I called my hospital that we pay a lot of fucking money for this insurance. And I said, hey, I need an appointment to see my primary doctor. Uh, can I come today? They'd laugh at you. Um, they would literally tell you, no, there's no appointment today, but we have an appointment for you in about four or five days. But if it's an emergency, you could just go to the emergency room now and then pay a ridiculous copay. And it's just, it's a fucked up system, man. Yeah. Like it's I mean, just, it's don't... just not good. Because our surgeries for GPs aren't, aren't our doctor surgeries. They're not hospitals. So we just go in there and see them. Um, and that's just the same day. At worst, they might go, oh, we're, we're booked up. Um, so you then have two options. One, we've got an appointment for you tomorrow. Or we have out of hours, which is um, like if there's something you're really worried about, 
after like six, seven o'clock, you can go and see them then. Like it's it's an it's an emergency, but it's not really an emergency. It's just the kind of you know go and right. see them. If that all fails, one one one, which is the non-emergency helpline, means that you can get through to someone. Which is a, at first it's just someone on a phone call who will then send you to get be like, okay, what are your details? Like what is wrong? So we know for sure because if, if something happens, you don't pick up to us. We will send an ambulance then you'll be rung back by a fully qualified and registered nurse to talk through your issues. And that's completely free at any time. That's the non-emergency right. line. And then if they think, oh, wait, now you need to see someone, they'll do one or two things. One, they'll put you through to a doctor and be like, right, come and see me. Or they'll send an ambulance. Like, and that's right. if you don't leave the house. So, <laughs> so I'm like, right. it's always amusing to me. People like, you'll never see your doctor. It's all this. I'm like, according to who? Like, <laughs> what yeah, bullshit it, is it, this? I mean, just looking at, like, the numbers from a few years ago, because, disclaimer, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, and I absolutely think that he would have been the answer. If it helps, I'm left-leaning, and from a left, much left-more-leaning country, I don't like Bernie Sanders. So there's a bit of, um, just just for a bit of, you know, both sides. (laughs) But the the thing is with, with Bernie here, right, is he's, uh, he's looked at as such a radical, right? Because of the talk of healthcare or paid family leave or things that are just naturally given to other people in their co- other countries. Um, you know, for me, the the big thing was uh, when he was doing a, like, cause as far as I know, we are the only country. The reason why we pay so much for like prescription drugs is because, we're not allowed to negotiate drug prices here in the United States. So there was a, uh, a video a few years ago where Bernie literally took a bunch of people from the state of Michigan and threw them on like a school bus or a tour bus and drove them over the border into Canada. And it was uh, all diabetics and they were spending about $300 per vial of ins- for insulin here in the United States. They drove over the border literally like 30 miles into Canada and were paying $30 a vial for insulin just to kind of show you how fucking backwards it is here. Like, like there were literally people, Americans in tears, like tears of joy that they were able to buy their family's like supply of insulin for next to nothing where it's literally 10 times the price here in the United States. I can it, make it's it worse. What's that? Why the fuck would we charge someone to stay alive? It's free in England. Is it really? Yeah, because why the fuck would we charge someone to stay alive? This is the crazy thing. Even Canada is crazy to me on that one. Like, you will not, you will die if we don't give this to you, but you right. need to pay us to not die. Right. That... How is that ever anything but despotic and um, t- t- a tyranny? You're, you're basically, because if you think of it in different ways, if somebody was coming, if the mob were coming around to your, to your store, your place of business, whatever, and saying, you've got to give us um, protection money, otherwise we're going to kill you. Right. How would you see it? Because it's exactly, you know, people say this is hyperbolic. It is to a point. However, the result is the same. If you don't get the right. insulin, you die. If you don't pay the mob, you die. It's the same thing. And yet governments and big people do it and say, oh, it's absolutely fine. Why the fuck would we ever do that? If you, are, if you, need, to be, if you need to be on insulin if you, like, to survive, 
then it's free. It's crazy. Um, you know, ah, <laughs> you entirely, yeah. it's a free prescription. It's a free prescription. You know, it's, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you do have to fill out the forms and stuff to, to, to show that it's exemption. But who the fuck cares? Like, it, it's just right. crazy. And even if it was the case that we charged, nothing is allowed to be more than, I think the last time I checked was £9.50. So like $11, $12. Yeah, magic. It, it cannot be more than that. They can't charge you more than that. It, it, it's not allowed. No one can do that for anything. Right. Like anything. There is, no, there is no kind of scale. There's no like, oh, this costs this, this costs this. No, 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 no. Everything is that. That's it. It doesn't matter. And actually, right. if you get prescribed like something that is available over the counter, most doctors would be like, well, I could prescribe you, but it'll cost you more. Go to, go to you know, what would be Walmart and get some yourself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, it just to kind of give you like a perspective, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Cause I was talking to again, Angelus, our friend from Canada about this mm. the other day. So the amount of money that just for myself, not my wife included, the amount of money that I pay for my health insurance per year. So the way that it works out is like, I'm a union employee, right? So the, I, I have a total union package, right? The company pays me a certain dollar amount per hour, right? But that's not all they pay. Like the union goes, okay, Mike is worth ninety dollars an hour. Mm-hmm. Now you're gonna you're gonna pay him fifty an hour to him, but the other forty dollars an hour is gonna go towards his pension, retirement, his medical, his dental, his vision care, and all of that. And get this, my company pays eleven dollars and some change per hour for my medical. If I work, and also uh, there's a $24,000 cap. So once I once you reach 24,000, you don't have to pay anymore. That oh, how generous, right? <laughs> so so ele- so if I work 2,000 hours in a year, which is pretty normal work year, hmm. uh, you do the math: 2,000 times 11. Yeah. Right. Like I, I've I hit the cap damn near every year for medical that my, instead of giving me the $11 an hour and I'm getting paid 60 something, you're taking it to pay for my medical. And I pay $24,000 a year for my medical just for myself. It's insane. It, it's completely insane. The whole thing. And then, I mean, for, for, in terms of mental health as well, because that's, you know, where we came onto it. It's <laughs> so, I know, um, and they've said this on stream, so I, I, I know, or they've said this somewhere else. Uh, Kadea, who's another streamer on Twitch, who's a, a Twitch partner, and who's been on this podcast, in fact, um, has, uh, has spoken about the fact that she, had, she managed to find... So you can get um, counselling on the NHS for free, a certain amount, um, right. for free. I don't like it because of the type of um, therapy it is I don't like. However, for some people, it's helpful, but it's free for, for so many sessions. Then if you want to pay afterwards, Kadea is in London. It's £40 an hour for her, um, for her private um, like counselling. Private therapy is £40 an hour. That's it. In London. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I don't know what it would be here because my wife and I, again, through our insurance is covered. So, uh, basically, uh, I guess I just kind of chalk it up to, we can get pretty much whatever we want for 24 grand a year. 
because <laughs> that's pretty much what we pay. So I know that we do have uh, included in that, like we can go to a chiropractor, we can um, go and have therapy appointments and things like that set up. And those are options for us. But I don't know what it would cost if we didn't have insurance, if we were paying cash for those therapy visits. I've just, I've just looked and there's a lot of people paying 100 to $250 an hour. How much? A hundred to a hundred to two hundred and fifty dollars an hour, and that's oh. like that's an average. That's not in the capital, and that's the thing. That, that forty pounds is in the capital where you'd right. think people, you know, that's that's where it's going to be most expensive. Um, right. But it's yeah, it, it's it's crazy, and that's the thing is like you have to stay in a job because of your yeah, healthcare, but then your healthcare doesn't necessarily um, help you because then you need therapy, and but then therapy, it's like it's a fucking never-ending. Um, it's a racket. Yeah, it's it's completely a racket. Like, I mean, literally, like like I said, you know, they are making you pay for your life. That's what they're doing. It's what so many of them are doing. Um, yeah, Bernie Sanders, um, as far as far as I'm concerned, is a right winger, um, right wing opportunist. But um, this is the thing that people don't understand in, in America as well about um, basically the rest of the world, especially Europe, is that what people call socialists and liberals over there would be in the right right um, wing parties over here. So really? like. I mean, Obama was really chummy with our conservative party <laughs> and the right. conservatives are considered right of center. You know, right. it's I mean, if we had like, you know, our, our labor politicians who and in, in England, some of them don't like the fact that they think our, our labor party is too right, right wing in some ways. But if we had our labor party come over and try and instill their um, kind of policies in America, they'd probably be run out of the fucking country. They'd be called communists. It's, it's you know, and right. uh, for me, you know, I don't like Bernie for many reasons. One of them being that um, he's he's only Democrat when it serves a purpose for him. Well, the the, the reason for that, right, because he is the longest serving independent yeah. uh, senator. Now, I feel like the argument could be made that he was forced into that because if you look at his politics for here in america again he's very radical left-leaning oh my god he's a communist bernie sanders is too radical he's crazy mm. but the way it works here in america is if you want any type of traction if you want to be on that debate stage you have to carry 15 percent of the vote in the polls which here in the united states never happens with a third party ever doesn't matter if it's peace and freedom green party the libertarians the independents you will never see one of them on the debate stage with a republican and democrat because the law and the rule here is that they have to have 15 percent of the vote so bernie's like okay his politics align more with like an fdr uh so I, if I he mean, ran as an independent you would have here's here's the truth if he would have ran as an independent none of us would have even known who the fuck he was because he would have never got the traction or the publicity that he had gotten by running as a Democrat in the United States, a true Democrat, because one of the guys I like watching from MIT, his name is Noam Chomsky. And the way know. he was, so he was explaining that even from like the eighties, the spectrum has shifted so much here in the United States to where someone like Joe Biden or Barack Obama would have been considered a moderate Republican back in the eighties. Like it's ever since the Tea Party got involved and the radicals have come out and everything has shifted to the right. Someone like Bernie, they look at that and they go, okay, well, he's more like a Lyndon Johnson or an FDR. He's talking about free health care. He's talking about things like the New Deal. 
that haven't been talked about in generations. Yeah. He's radical. I mean, the one correction I would have is you've had a third party on a presidential debate. Oh, are you talking about that one guy with the white boy? Ross Perot. Ross Perot, 1992. um, I mean, it has happened. I I mean, that's easily with a lifetime. That was um, George uh, H.W. Bush and Clinton and Ross Perot. I don't, right. Granted, Ross Perot got like 18, 19% of the vote, but that was proof that he could do it with the money. And right. and much as Bernie Sanders tries to pretend he doesn't, he fucking easily has the money. And well, he can get more of it. And he's from Vermont. He can get the fucking money easy enough if he wanted to. You know, well, for Vermont. The problem for me is, is that, yes, the way, the, the, the way that you kind of go into it is like, if you... I think possibly as well here, we are far more stuck to our our parties potentially. Um, But it's massively, to me, it's massively opportunistic to be like, right, I'm a Democrat now. Because that's what you have to say. You have to be a Democrat. If you're going to stand on that ticket, you have to be a Democrat. And, you know, uh, and the person you're standing with has to be a Democrat. So you now have to pick the best, worst bunch. Well, if you had those viewpoints that you feel you could be anyway, why aren't you? And it's the easiest way to basically be at the back of the class shouting. And it's, it's a very, to me, and especially in British politics anyway, it is a very much the um, outside of the tent pissing in. It, it's that kind of idea of, well, it, you know, I can throw my toys uh, because I'm not one of you. Oh, unless it's good for me. Oh, oh, now I'm one of you. Oh, but now the second it's over, I'm not one of you again. Now I can have a go at you. Oh, no, it helps again. I can be one of you again. And well, I, I, well, <laughs> I, I, I almost feel like Bernie was one of those guys who was, if, if you look at his entire career, he's always been consistent, right? And, and he, that's one of the things even Republicans during the elections had admitted, like, you know, we may not agree with Bernie's policies, but he's, he sticks to like, he's true about his convictions. Like he sticks to what he believes in, whether we agree with him or not. And it's one of those things where, yeah, man, like if I was in Bernie's shoes and I saw the way that the Democrat, the Democratic Party was, you know, during the 80s and 90s or even the 2000s, I would be an independent as well. I mean, I've been, I was registered as an independent basically since I was old enough to vote because. Yeah, that's a crazy thing for us as well, because there's no such thing as registering as, as something. (laughs) <laughs> yeah oh and 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 get then yeah and you have to well at least not so in the actual presidential election you can be registered as whatever you want and vote for whoever you want like if i was registered as a democrat i could vote for trump if i really wanted to yeah. um but in the primaries you cannot uh if you want to vote for a democrat you have to be registered as a democrat which to is, vote is stupid and also allows for you know some tampering as well but i mean the thing for me is is that when when we say he's consistent and so many people see that as a good thing i don't because the world now isn't the same as it was in the 70s isn't the same as it was in the 80s isn't the same as it was in the 90s and there's uh, you know uh churchill once said um when the facts change i change my mind what do you do sir and that's kind of the problem for me is that the the economy isn't the same the the political landscape isn't the same the democ- the um domestic and international politics isn't the same the world oh, simply yeah. isn't the same and consistency as much as it sounds fantastic isn't and it's, it's often used to slam politicians when somebody will vote for it in 
um, in, you know, in the early stages. And then when it gets to the floor, they vote against it or vice versa. And it's like, no, 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 that's the way it should happen. That's exactly what it should happen because right. something's happened to it and they're now in favour or not in favour and they've actually taken it in. When I've well, seen Bernie's voting record, I, I've seen things change around the world around it, but him being effectively stubborn. And well, that's where I, think, I have issue. Well, I think the big thing for me with Bernie is the fact that, like, when, when I mean consistent, um, you know, Bernie was talking about things that we think should just be a given to this day, right? I mean, Bernie was talking about universal health care back in the 80s. Bernie was talking about gay rights back in the 80s when it wasn't the cool thing to do. I mean, he was protesting for civil rights. Perfect example. And if we're just comparing like a person like Bernie and Hillary, mm -hmm. right? You know, in the 60s, Bernie Sanders was protesting for civil rights and marched with Dr. Martin Luther King and was arrested for protesting for civil rights at the University of Chicago. Mm. Whereas Hillary Clinton was a known Goldwater girl who it was for people that don't know, Barry Goldwater was a senator and he wanted to bring back Jim Crow law. So, um, but you know, you get people in 2016 that go, Oh, Hillary's a Democrat and you know, people vote for her and she's so great. And it's like Hillary Clinton uh, worked for a guy who wanted to bring back Jim Crow law. She was on the board of Walmart who kept the unions out of walmart like hillary clinton has a terrible history um whereas you have someone like bernie who has fought for civil rights fought for gay rights fought for universal health care and paid family leave his entire career and that's never changed um and that's what the consistent parts about him that i like is that yeah i do think we should have some type of universal health care system here in the united states i do think that gay rights and civil rights are a very important thing, whereas other politicians in the past have not. Like, for example, Joe Biden. Joe Biden was friends with Strom Thurmond, which was one of the most well-known, openly racist senators in modern history. And he read the eulogy at Strom Thurmond's funeral. But we're going to vote for someone like Joe Biden over someone like Bernie, who was the exact opposite. See, I, I also have different things because, I mean, there's a very much a, a political thing here when something is said in the Commons or in a council thing and it doesn't stay outside. Um, and I think nowadays the viewpoint has gone the other way to that you cannot interact with people who have stronger views either way. Now, I'm I, Strom Thurmond, granted, Strom Thurmond was, was a fucking monster, but th there is this idea that actually those um, cross-platform, cross-party things that needed to be done for things like Joe Biden were done because of the fact that he could talk to them. Now, I I've said about this with um, um, mental health before. If I can get something enacted with mental health, with the support of someone who's a monster, I will do it. I will not support them. I will not make their platform any bigger. But if they can help me, I'll do it because fuck that. And I think too much we, we go on the idea that, no, it must be my way. And I, Bernie separating out is, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, Barry Goldwater, obviously, Barry Goldwater, with a few, few different changes, could have potentially been president as well, Barry Goldwater, because of the way it was, it was looking at the time. In fact, I mean, Barry Goldwater likely could have... Um, uh, could have taken on JFK after... Um, uh, on a on a 
uh, on a secondary thing if JFK hadn't have died. So, I mean, G Goldwater was a, a very different um, prospect as well, but obviously had a lot of dodgy things, but then at the time, so did a lot of other people. But it is, it's a very mixed bag, but I, I think it is always interesting when we hold up certain people, and Bernie has, has had this, and we've had people in England that have been um, held up this way as well, as if nothing sticks to them. And I always find it very problematic because as I said about, um, you know, as, as I've said in the past and off, off camera, I was talking about um, Zelensky in, um, in Ukraine, which is obviously an issue at the moment. Um, right. Don't iconize me, um, you know, have pictures of your family. And I think, unfortunately, we iconize politicians far too much. And then we right. hold them as if there's everything. I mean, look at what happened the second people couldn't vote for Bernie Sanders. So many of them turned to Trump. Yeah, so many of them went Trump to Trump. And, it, it, you know, what the fuck are you doing? It, it's, it's problematic, that whole thing around him. And he, he doesn't, he, he, may, he may have certain viewpoints that have been consistent on, you know, things like gay rights, great. Things like um, universal health care, great. But he's actually, one, he's still to the right for us. Um, easily, easily he's conservative for us, I think. Um, or, or at least um, he would be a um, one nation Tory for us, which is he, uh, you know, I stay rich and I think everyone else should. That's why I think we should nanny everyone. They should be looked after. Um, but but also I, I find his consistency in other areas as being incredibly stubborn without any any reality because he doesn't want to work with certain people and unfortunately because of the way that your system works you have to work with people if you just stand again it's the it's the it's the outside of the tent pissing in you can it's very easy to look incredible if you think that you will one day stand for a certain thing or if you want to look good and that's and I think there's politicians in, in every country like this. It's incredibly easy to um, to vote a certain way or to do certain things because then you're not tarred with the brush of everything else. And you can right. always say, well, that's oh, they fucked that up. Well, why aren't you in the in the thing? Why aren't you working with them to make sure it gets changed? Oh, well, because I can't work with those people. Well, how about instead of just fucking talking about it, doing it? Because, because that's the problem. He, he wasn't, you know, you talk about Joe Biden. Yeah, he was, he's been friends with monsters, but he got shit done. And people, I think people forget about that is that there are things now in America, as there is in the UK with certain things that would not have been done if monsters didn't work with angels. And that's the problem is that when you just go, I'll only work with angels, well, then nothing fucking happens. You know, right. we don't, we don't, we don't look into that as, as much, you know, it, it's problematic. And that, the way that politics has moved a lot is problematic in general, because we are very black and white now. And right. that's what, that's why we have Trump. That's why we have Boris Johnson, because if you don't believe on this certain thing, well, you're the other side. I mean, it, I'm thinking about even 10 years ago, you know, if you look at the other way around, people just didn't, think that way it wasn't like that as much and you know you could work with it people were friends with politicians from other things i mean i'm i'm i've had i i you know voted very much on the left um at least socially for social justice stuff in england consistently since i was about 18 have i had friends that are on the, the right yes 
you know, okay, in America, they'd still be left. But, you know, in, in England, they're right. But, right. you know, I can have debates and I can I can disagree with them on many things, but still hold a conversation, still have a drink with them because that's how things happen. And I think yeah. that's the point. It's at a university, actually. I was um, leader of um, a youth um, of a political party in England and someone else in my group was the leader for the other for the right, more the, the right, the conservatives. And um, we disagreed about fucking everything. Um, yeah. everything in class, you know, and then there was one day where our lecturer was like, right, okay, you guys, I'm going to put you on different teams. I want a debate. We're going to have the debate now. Um, this is what we're talking about. And both of us just looked at each other and went, actually, we agree on this. And that's the thing <laughs> is that there's always a point of agreement. There's always, if you, if you write down, um, the policies and, or the backgrounds of every single politician that you think you might vote for on any party, there's no fucking way in hell that you have zero in common with. Oh, I, I mean, for me personally, <laughs> I mean, even you Strom know, Thurman, even that monster, even Strom Thurman. Well, you know, <laughs> my, my personal views are, you know, uh, I, I do believe we should have universal health care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also believe in big military and uh, the right to have guns if we wanted them. Right. And then here in America, people would be like, oh, my God, you're a right winger for thinking that. That's why I register independent, because there are certain things on both sides of the aisle that I've always tried to look at and be like, okay, well, I like to cherry pick from this one and this one. I like this idea from these right wingers, but I like this from the left. And, uh, you know, I'm, I've always been, you know, because before I started doing the Twitch thing or the video games, I actually did do political commentary um, and I actually, I don't keep up with it anymore just because of how toxic the environment really is. But I was always the type of person that I felt like, yes, I'm a Bernie Sanders supporter, but you know, how, I got a lot of shit for that. Like, oh, you're a communist or, you know, oh, you just want to give everything away for free. But I, I was always the type of person that still would love to be able to have a conversation with somebody, whether they were a Trump fan or a Hillary fan and exchange ideas. And, you know, we can agree to disagree, but I can still have an educated civil conversation with you and not hate each other and still go grab a beer afterwards. Mm. That's how I like to do it. Um, but, you know, you've got, you know, there's so much hate on both sides where having conversations is so hard to do because if you're not with them, you're against them. And in dealing in absolutes like that, it's one of those things where it's like nothing gets done. Right. Um, because you know, one side is always going to believe that they're right. And the other side is going to believe that they're right. So, yeah, I do agree that, you know, you should have these conversations, but, and, and you do have to, play the game as I like to call it. Right. You have to play the game to get what you want. Um, but I do still think Joe Biden didn't have to read that fucker's eulogy though. He, could, <laughs> he was already dead, man. There was no more deals to be made. But other than that, I mean, yeah, I get it. You gotta, it's still, it's you, still, it still oils the wheels. It's, and, and the uh, thing is, is that, and, and the thing is as well, is that the guy, as much of a complete cunt he was, we don't know what he was like or what he had said or whether he was there at certain times when Joe Biden had been in, in hell. And that's the thing is because if a complete monster is there for you when you're going through the worst time of your life, do you think right. of them as a monster? 
You know, you, you, right. <laughs> that's the thing is that, that you can, even if they are, you can absolutely vehemently disagree with every single part of them. But if when you're told someone has died, someone is dying, um, that you've, you've lost whatever, or, or, you know, there's just something absolutely specific to you has happened and that you are in the depths of hell, if they're the first person to the, put their arm around you, do you really ignore them when they've died? And that, that's the thing. We don't yeah. know the story behind it. And so right. that, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it, it, is, it is very much like that. I mean, go, I mean, let's be honest. If we look at Barry Goldwater as well, I mean, Barry Goldwater almost definitely would have been president. Because, I mean, so for anyone that doesn't know, for, for, also for anyone that doesn't know, um, we've gone on to this. We've gone really off track, but it's because I have a background in politics. I do have a, um, an undergraduate degree and a master's degree in, po in politics, some of it in my undergrad specializing in uh, American and Russian politics as well as British politics, which is why I know some of this stuff. Um, but I mean, Barry, Go Barry Goldwater, um, for those that don't know, J JFK, um, obviously, after assassination, um, it was LBJ that went yep. um, up against um, Barry Goldwater. Um, it's almost certain that Kennedy would have been in trouble after that. There was a lot of mob ties um, being brought up um, and a lot of other issues happening. On top of that, because of um, some of the leanings and issues with Cuba, JFK's popularity wasn't at its height. Um, there was a, and there was a lot of a, a swell from um, the South. And obviously, Barry Goldwater was a senator in Arizona. So um, when he was put forward as the contender, the only reason LBJ any, really got anywhere is because LBJ was bouncing off of the back of the death of JFK. And in fact, right. most of the stuff that um, LBJ got in, including civil rights acts, it's very unlikely to think that Kennedy would, one, have even put them forward, and two, ever have passed them past the Senate. But LBJ, LBJ. managed to go... This is the this is what you know. This is the legacy of of um, Kennedy, and so that's why half of it went through. So, I mean, and then LBJ went on to be probably one of the most hate of his time, one of the most hated presidents of all time because of Vietnam. You know, LBJ, LBJ, how many kids have you killed today? Was the chant of the sixties. Um, right. <laughs> so, but I mean, if it had been a different scenario, you know, you don't have that 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 um, you know the book depository, then you know Goldwater becomes president. Maybe there's a different outcome. Maybe we find out that actually Goldwater wasn't that bad and there's a lot of other stuff going on. We just don't know. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's a very different path there. We also don't know why Clinton, why the interaction was there. Was there actually a work to maybe make his campaign more towards, the, to, towards a, a civil rights thing so that to, to, to get it more of a, a cross-party thing happening? We just don't know and we can't know. It, that's that's the thing um it, it becomes very problematic and we do like you say it becomes so vehement nowadays if you're not with them you're against them and and it's just that kind of thing is it becomes a nonsense because you don't you don't allow for for nuance at that point and nuance is always needed and is my problem again with with bernie because i don't think there's enough of it um right. we have gone massively off track there but when it gets onto we something have. i actually know about i'm like oh right okay um <laughs> yeah sorry guys I, I i really should do a podcast on politics but i i you know that could get really messy um yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> even here, because I mean, it's always funny because um, I, obviously I'm, I'm to the left in, in England. Um, but when I, I have friends who are left as well, um, but they're what I think of as being new age left. 
the second I say anything that they they don't like, it's just like what the f-? you know. So, well, yeah. You know, I'm sorry, but I've seen this shit happen already. You know, I, I mean, I I, I was a politician only locally, but you know, local government politician. I worked with right. people across the entire political spectrum because right. if they're going to help me, they're going to help me. <laughs> right. I don't care about helping them, but if they're going to do something for me, I've always said. Uh, if you're going to be um, in politics, you can't, there's no way, I don't, genuinely don't believe that anyone that has been any kind of successful in politics is nice. I think you have to be an asshole to start with. If you're not prepared to be an asshole, you will be destroyed. That doesn't mean you're not trying to do the right thing. That doesn't mean that you're not on the side of the angels kind of thing. But it just won't work in politics. It's, it's, it's too backstabbing. It's too underhand for that to happen so everyone is always tainted by something and those and those in politics that have the whitest sheets tend to have the dirtiest secrets in my mind and when i when i've seen them so um as someone who has heard some secrets from politicians in parliament and will not be repeating them because (laughs) well you know um (laughs) so anyway uh yeah i was gonna we're gonna um uh briefly talk about as well about um with with mental health is about um you and um and fitness because obviously um you know you you you're a bigger guy um you've been looking at at surgery and and different things recently to to try and sort that out i mean obviously you know as you say you found solace and it's always been good for you to to have that geek side to be able to you know as your background shows we've got link charmander yoshi or psyduck all of them have been your kind of that's that's a kind of gets you through the day you get back from work you yeah you've you've got your kind of your your geek paradise in the background there and that's keeping you going how has putting the weight on now anyone um that, that doesn't know i used to be I mean, I'm not fucking tiny now, but I used to be big as well. I, I, I had a, there's a lot of weight on me. Um, how have you found, because I know for me it was fucking horrendous. How have you found that affect you? And is it your mental, physical or both health that has made you want to kind of get the weight off? I would say both, um, you know, for me, uh, and, and I, you know, it's one of those things where I'm pretty, I'm very comfortable talking about my weight. It's not something that, you know, I'm shy or, or, or anything about. Uh, so, uh, I am planning on having bariatric surgery. I'm having gastric bypass. Um, I've already gone through the processes of having my orientation, my consultation with my surgeon. Um, and they put me on a plan where, you know, I've met with a dietitian. Um, I am also diagnosed with type two diabetes and severe sleep apnea, um, among other things. So, uh, they wanted me to lose a little bit of weight before they'll do the surgery. So they basically said, we want you to lose like 30 pounds. Cause I was 380 pounds. And they told me that once I get within five pounds of the goal weight, which would be 350, uh, to give them a call, and we will schedule the therapy appointment because apparently I have to go through a therapy appointment or a therapy session and then a final meeting with the dietitian, and then they do the surgery. Um, so I actually just met that goal the other day. I weighed in at 355 uh, and I started losing the weight December 19th was when I had my uh, consultation with my surgeon and he set that plan in motion. Um, 
but you know, for me, it it got to a point to where, like, you know, like I said earlier, my wife and I, we have our very first kid together. She's 18 months, and it, it got to a point where, you know, at 380 pounds and all these health issues, it was getting harder for me to do everyday tasks. For example, it was harder for me to perform my job at work. Um, you know, working in construction, working with your back, I was basically killing myself every day trying to get through the day mm. um, and just pushing through every day and being in constant pain from my knees, my hips, my back, everything, but you, you got to do it right. It's just what, what you need to do. Um, and then this, the idea of, I, I don't know what it is. I, I don't know why it's been happening recently, but, you know, I've been thinking about not like in a suicidal kind of way, not in like anytime soon kind of way, but I've been thinking about death lately a lot. And like, uh, you know, in my head, I'm kind of like, okay, you're 30. You know, if you're in good health, you could probably do this about two more times and you'll be 90 and that's it. Hmm. Um, and you're 30, you're 380 pounds, severe sleep apnea, diabetes, all kinds of health issues. Do you plan on making it to fucking 35 or 40 without having a heart attack? Do you want to be 500 pounds? Like, uh, you know, and as blunt as this might sound, because again, I said earlier, my dad is kind of old school, hardcore, rough around the edges. Uh, you know, he, in the only way he knows how, and I know this to him means that he loves me. So I, I wasn't, I wasn't hurt by this. It was almost kind of like a reality check. He sat me down and he said, you know, you're grown, you're an adult, you're going to do what you want to do. But I am tired of watching my son kill himself every day. And if you die and you have that little girl, eventually some other man will tuck her in at night and she will call him dad. Yeah. Do you want that to happen? And some, you know, and I've, I've told that to a few of my friends and some people, you know, are, oh, that's harsh or, you know, sugarcoating it, but that's the fucking truth, dude. Like that's reality. My daughter is not even two years old left yet. And if I died tomorrow, would she even remember who I am? And, uh, that was the biggest wake up call for me because, uh, you know, my mother always told me, you don't know what true love is until you've, you've had a kid. You know, you, you think you love your husband or your wife or your, your, uh, your, your parents or your whatever. But when you have this life in your hands and they are literally your entire world, uh, my daughter brings me more happiness than anything in my life. Uh, and it's the weirdest feeling. And it's something that I was, I wasn't expecting, or maybe I was expecting, but I didn't know it was going to be so intense. And I, when I look at her, dude, like she makes me happier than anything on this earth. And I just smile and I love her and I don't want to die. And I get emotional talking about it, but that's the truth. Uh, I am not happy with the way that I've turned out weight wise. Uh, I, um, I'm tired of being the fat guy too, you know, uh, I would love to wear clothes that fit and, you know, to be able to take my kid out and play and not get winded or perform better at my job or just 
not be tired all the time and to be able to go out with my wife and take her out and not be exhausted and want to sleep all day. Uh, those are the things that, you know, I am most excited for with this surgery. And that's really why I chose to do it because I've spent the majority of my life treating food as something for pleasure and for fun. And in doing that, um, because I, and again, people can do that, but I, have an addictive personality to where if I enjoy something, I'm going to keep doing it. Or I would always use food as like a crutch. You know, you're depressed or you're sad. So you're going to eat, you do something good and you reward yourself with food. Like everything about my life revolved around food. And it finally clicked in my head that maybe, you know, by having the surgery, I won't be able to eat that much anymore. Food really is going to suck for me. But maybe that's a good thing. Maybe for once in my fucking life, I should start not glamorizing or prioritizing food. I should do the and prioritize the things that I love, like my family or, you know, things that really matter. And that's really why I decided to go through with the surgery, because I, I understand that it's not a magic pill that you snap your fingers and you're skinny and it fixes everything. But I, I just at this point, I feel like I need some help. And I don't want to die, and I want to be here for my family and my friends. So, if you have they, I mean, to put it in perspective for anyone that's listening, by the way, um, 380 is around 27 stone, um, or uh, 168 kilos if you're mainland Europe. Um, obviously, we work in pounds and stones in the UK. So, um, I mean, I, I, I was 21 stone. So I was about 300 pounds. Um, so have have you been offered any therapy to go along with it? Because I think when it comes to, to weight, there's so I mean, I so I've done I, I've I, I got into fitness a lot when I, I lost the weight. Um, you know, I, I lost six stones, so 36 pounds or no, wait a minute, uh, six stones. So that is 36 K or uh fucking hell 84 pounds in like four months um at one point so um i went into fitness afterwards and i've helped people with diets and stuff um and you know i find that it's not when you're when you're going through it it's not necessarily that um you get smaller and everything's okay you know i always said to people if you if you can't look in the mirror and find something now that you like, you won't find something that you like when you're skinny. And I mean, so for me, for instance, my calves of all the fucking things I ha- I like my calf muscles. I-, I like my calves. I'm a runner. Even before I put a lot of weight on, I was a runner and I actually injured my ankle and that's why I'd got big. Um, but I like my calves. So I was like, you know what? If I fail or if I get bit, whatever the fuck happens, my calves are there. I'm still happy with my calves. Uh, and that was it. And so I always say to people, if, if you can't see something in the mirror, then you need to deal with that first. Because if, if you just go through this and there's nothing that you like, there's not going to be anything you like at the end of it. It's the same thing I say to people when, when people always say about, oh, yeah, but someone's rich and famous, they should be okay. Well, it's like, no, because if everything was shit beforehand and now you've got money and fame and everything is still shit, you hate yourself even more because shouldn't that have fixed it in the same way of I'm skinny now, shouldn't that have fixed it? So right. 
is there something that you find that you still kind of like about yourself and have they said to you look there's some therapy here to make sure that you oh yeah absolutely yeah so um before uh, before they'll even schedule the surgery i have to go through therapy um and then they also said if i wanted i could continue the therapy mm. um so that is an option um that's covered through my insurance uh but <laughs> but um you know honestly i i look back at the way that i used to be before i got big and i think that's what i miss like you know i think i'm a handsome guy i don't think i'm ugly i I used to be into playing sports. I could look, man, I, I miss being able to tie my shoes without holding my breath. Like, but, but for me, when I was younger in my, in my early mid twenties, I was thinking like, you know, it was a self-conscious thing. Like I want nicer clothes that fit nicer looking clothes. And it's hard to shop when you're big. And, 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 but now that I'm older and married, I don't really give a shit about that. I just don't want to die at this point. I, I honestly am at a point where like, I want to like, I'm tired of sleeping all day, dude. That's my biggest thing because of the uh, sleep apnea. When I got tested, um, they made me wear this thing on my finger and on my wrist all night. And they told me that I stopped breathing 87 times per hour. Um, yeah. So dude, I could sleep for 10 or 12 hours, wake up and still be tired and want to take naps and dude there's so much i'm missing out on and so many things i want to do like that i'm just i feel like the weight is holding me back i want to go on trips i want to go hiking i want to go swimming and play basketball again i want to take my kid to the park i want i want to do all of these things but fuck dude loading the dishwasher makes me tired you know and it sucks and uh it's one of those things where i i I do miss the old me, man. I played football or well, American football and I was in a band and uh, I played thrash metal and I went out and I did things and I, I felt like I was handsome. I was a good looking guy and in shape. And, um, I, I, I'm like a shell of my former self and I miss the old me. I, it's depressing looking at the mirror and seeing how big I've gotten and then remembering what I used to be like. And I miss what I used to be like. Yeah. I mean, the thing I, I, I would say, because I, I mean, I'm known for being honest, um, is don't romanticize the past because it, nostalgia is great with putting filters. Um, when I, when I always say, and like I said, I mean, you, you started out by saying that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a handsome guy, which is great because that, like I said, there's got to be something that you immediately go, okay, actually, I like the way I look here. And if you've got that fucking great, because then you've always got, if it, if it fails or whatever happens, you can go, yeah, but I'm still, you know, you still got that. The one right. thing I will say is whenever you want to beat yourself up, looking at a version of yourself and creating that version throughout whatever memory you think it, there is, is the easiest way of doing it. As we said earlier, remember, remembering and people's memory on, on witness stands is so fucking unreliable. And it's even more unreliable about ourselves when we hate things about ourselves. So right. whenever, whenever anybody says, oh, don't compare yourself to others, compare yourself to yourself, I always say, don't compare yourself to your fucking self. Because the second you compare yourself to self, it's even worse. Like, because then you get to create a version of yourself either in the future that you can never hit or in the past that never truly existed. 
And that's not to say right. that you weren't a good guy and you're in, your, in, your, in shape or whatever, but there were probably times back then where you were like, oh, God, I wish I could look like that. And you blotted them out because that would change the, the version of yourself that is easy to beat yourself up with. So I think right. it's always important to know that, you know, there's never a perfect version of you. There's never a version of you that's, that's fantastic. And the version you look at in the past is never what you really look like. You know, you're always holding your stomach in a little bit. Fucking everyone does it. You're always yeah. standing a little bit straighter. <laughs> you're always, you know, bringing your chin out, says no double chin. There's always that shit. You always do that because, hey, we look at it in pictures. But who the fuck tries actively to take a bad picture? You know, right. that's, that's the thing. But like I say, I think if you're starting from the point of view of going, I'm a handsome guy, great. Like I say, right. I start from the point of view of going, my calves are good. And the great, th the great thing I liked about using my calves for me was that they couldn't get worse because of the fact that the heavier I was, the more muscular they were getting because <laughs> so, they had to hold me the fuck up. So, you know, that, that was for me, I was like, well, I have muscular fucking calves. Like that can't get worse. And if you're just like, you like the way your face looks great, because that's the thing you fucking see when you look in the mirror is your face. So if that's the thing that you're looking at, awesome because the worst that's going to happen is it gets smaller so yeah. <laughs> it's still right. the same fucking face you know i always yeah. say the mix of going i have i have dimples you know when i smile i have dimples and it's why i can it's why i, I get away with um you know people thinking i'm younger than i am um but it's if you if you've got that that and you like that great um yeah. but yeah I'm, I, I'm always wary especially when it comes to weight loss when people create a version of their past because everyone does it everyone does right. and there's so many people that go oh no that's definitely how i was that's look there's this i'm like yeah but that's a mini thing like everyone it's like the, the, the when we say when people look back at relationships and i've said this i've done videos on this when we look back on our past relationships um and we never did anything wrong of course we didn't we never did. no they're crazy we everybody is somebody else's crazy ex every every yeah. single one of us has been a complete cunt to someone in our life. All yeah. of us. It does not matter. Put it this way. If you actually look into um, Mother Teresa, she was a complete fucking monster to a level that you can't even think of. So if Mother Teresa is that bad, you've been an asshole to someone. You know, right. and, it, you, and you probably did you know, um, gaslight someone, potentially without even fucking realizing it. Because effectively what you're doing is gaslighting yourself by remembering it differently. So it's right. not anywhere outside of the idea of uh, gaslighting um, someone else. All of us have been cunts to someone. So we are always the hero in our own stories. And I think sometimes we need to remember, oh, actually, I didn't look that way. I didn't, I couldn't actually do all those things. Or, you know, am I looking through this version of myself a little bit with rose tinted glasses? And that's always important, especially with weight loss, because I think it can be, as I said, like when people get money, if you think I will be happy when, and then you get to the when and go, fuck, I'm not happy, it's magnitudes worse because now right. why am I not happy? This was meant to be the reason I was happy. So that right. would be my only warning, which I'm, I'm hoping a therapist will say to you at some point, I fucking hope, um, you know, it, it's, you know, if, you, if, if in your head, if the sentence, I will be happy when, or anything along those lines comes into your head, that's when you need to stop and think about it. Right. No, I agree. Um, and speaking on what you said earlier about, you know, we were all 
cunts to somebody at some point. You know, my dad always says that there's always three sides to every story. There's his, hers, and the truth. (laughs) You know, and and that's absolutely true. But, you know, honestly, man, I'm at a point to where, uh, you know, looks for me is kind of secondary because uh, my main priority is me and my daughter and, you know, my wife too, obviously. But, you know, I just don't want to be sick anymore. I think that that is my biggest goal. And I do believe I'll be happier when I'm not sick. So uh, that that's that's the biggest thing. Before looks, before anything else, I want to lose the type 2 diabetes. I want to get off my CPAP machine for sleep apnea. You know what I mean? That Those are goals that I have. Okay. So let me put this to you. What happens if you lose all the weight and you still have sleep apnea and you have type 2 diabetes? Ah, uh, you got me there. You're, you're right. I mean, uh, in theory, uh, because I developed these things actually within the last uh, year, uh, because even when I was like 300 pounds or, you know, whatever, uh, I went to the doctors for checkups regularly. I'm not that guy who like avoids the doctors and things like that. I went for checkups and I was always pre-diabetic. I've always done my blood work and physicals and all those things. And, uh, you know, I was just diagnosed with diabetes, like full blown diabetes in October, November, Hmm. you know, so just a few months ago and, uh, the sleep apnea, maybe about eight months to a year ago. Uh, and up until that point, I mean, I, didn't have those issues uh you know every dog and look don't get me wrong uh you know there is a slim chance that they might not go away but all my doctors and the surgeons are telling me that they should like oh not guaranteeing they can't guarantee shit but they're saying that the weight should get rid of those issues yeah i mean my 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 concern there is you didn't have diabetes until you had diabetes. If someone loses a foot, they were they could run until they lost the foot. It doesn't right. matter just because you go back that it's going to go. Now, yeah, I agree, especially for diets, um, it, it can happen. My mother is type two diabetic, and she was bigger. She is not bigger anymore. She is still type two diabetic. Right. So right. it's it's generally controlled by her diet. It is not you know she doesn't need to take medication for it, but she is still diabetic. It's right. just a different way. And sleep apnea, well, that can, that can come about so many different ways. Yes, it is far more likely because you're bigger. But for some people, you just end up having sleep apnea. Some people, it right. can be um, hereditary. Some people, it's for so many different reasons. There could be mold in your house that you're not aware of. You know, uh, that's... And yes, uh, and people are going to have a fucking field day if people um, listening to this now. Oh, you're going to get to the medical. I'm fucking not, because Dr. Clapper... Um, of um, you know Gwyneth Paltrow fame has said a lot of shit, and he's a he's a medical doctor. Um, it's my my concern is uh, purely mental health, not right. not physical health, purely on the mental health. Because if you go into something with the idea of this will get rid of this, and then I'll be happy, what happens if everything goes wrong, and or everything goes right, but the stuff that was wrong is still wrong. And that's what you've got to think about, because it is it does it become then the idea of I'll be happy when oh shit, when has happened and I'm not happy because 
yeah, I mean, to, uh, yes, it will make thing, uh, other things a lot easier. You know, it will make it easier. You'll still be able to walk about easier. You'll be able to do your job a bit easier and things like that will still happen. But if those bigger issues, the ones that are a problem, like, I don't know, if blood pressure is an issue. For me, if blood pressure was the issue. Um, you know, if those are, if those are now a, a problem and, you know, it, it stays a problem, what do you think about yourself? Or do you then beat yourself up even more and it becomes a spiral? Because that would be my right. concern. And again, if a therapist isn't saying this to you, they fucking should be. <laughs> because right. you have to look at it's it's hoping for the best and preparing for the worst. If something right. if you are, you know, if everything goes well, but it still doesn't happen. Well, I mean, the obvious person to think about here would be Penn Jillette from Penn and Teller. Um, right. who actually followed, I just talked about Dr. Clapper, followed the, the advice of Dr. Clapper and a lot of other people and lost shit tons of weight. I mean, he was easily 350, 380 himself. Um, okay, he got away with that a bit more because he's fucking huge. He's like 6'7". Um, but he lost like 100-something pounds. He lost uh, another person. He lost more than Teller. You know, he lost the entire of Teller. Um, right. And for a short period, he came off of his meds for blood pressure and for certain things. And then he had to go back onto them and he found out actually, oh, this is just the way it is. Right. And actually, <clears throat> I, I, you know, he's still smaller now. He, you look at him now, he's much smaller and he's the same, same as you. He was, you look at some of the older stuff, you know, um, um, killing Penn and Teller, I think, or something like that film. He was a smaller guy. Then he got big right. and now he's got smaller and he still has the issues and they're not going away. He still has to take the medication. So right. I, I think, you know, that's that's something to, to think about is that you've got to be happy with if things are wrong. Right. Yeah, I mean, I guess I've never really thought of a plan B. I, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, I'm going to get skinny and it is going to make things better. It can't make it any worse. Like, I mean, I could keep getting bigger and and end up four or 500 pounds and have a heart attack or a stroke and, you know, kick the bucket. And I mean, uh, I guess I just have so much going on with, uh, jumping through all of these hoops to actually have the surgery, which I'm grateful for, because one thing I am grateful for with my particular hospital and doctors is they're actually educating me on the surgery because I actually have a friend who had it and her hospital didn't. So, you know, she had the surgery and, and everything and she started dropping weight, but she was eating like complete garbage still. And it was making her sick. And she eventually had to go back to the hospital and get treatment for it. Whereas my hospital, you know, we've had to go through classes and meet with dietitians, and, you know, we'll be meeting with therapists and they're teaching you everything about the diet. Because the one thing that I'm, most grateful for is that, you know, some people want to jump into it because they think it's this magic thing that will fix you and make you skinny and all your problems will go away. Um, one of the things that they really teach you and emphasize is this is just a tool. This is not a fix all be all. You still have to eat better. You still have to exercise. You still have to make a lifestyle change, which is part of the reason why they make you lose a certain amount of weight before they'll even agree to do the surgery to see that if you can actually follow a dietitian's plan, um, you know, to actually eat better and, and work out and do these things. So, um, 
you know, they, there's so many things that I'm not going to be able to eat anymore. There's things I won't even be able to drink anymore. Like, get this, you're not even supposed to drink anything carbonated. And, and I'm not just talking soda. I'm talking carbonated water. Like, I can't have a Perrier anymore because it'll make me feel sick um, because of all the carbonation. It'll fuck up my stomach. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're not supposed to smoke cigarettes or drink alcohol, or you can no longer take any anti-inflammatory medication like ibuprofen or Motrin or Advil, Aleve. Yeah. You're, stri- you're strictly on Tylenol. And then also the big thing with this surgery that a lot of people don't realize is because uh, they are literally replumbing you, uh, your body is not going to be uh, retaining or, or uh, getting all the nutrients that it's going to need to survive. So for the rest of my life, I will be on supplements. Uh, So I will be taking these and not just some Centrum Silver over-the-counter vitamins. Like supposedly these are really heavy-duty prescribed vitamins that I have to take. Um, One of the people that I spoke to in depth about their experience with the surgery, and you know him as well, is Pastor Terry. Yeah. Pastor Terry had the surgery done and I've been picking his brain the moment I found out about it for six months. Now I bug him about it. Like, what is your experience? Like, and everybody is different, but like, I know that Terry smokes cigarettes and drinks like a fish. And I said, now how Terry, how the fuck can you smoke cigarettes and drink like a fish when they're telling me in these classes that those are the two number one things they don't want you to do. And he said, well, for the first year of the surgery, no, you can't. You have to follow it strict. The first year after surgery is the most crucial. Hmm. But as the years go on and you're fully healed, it's like having your old stomach back. You can stretch it back out and become fat again. Uh, you can smoke or drink. You know, it's all in, you know, how your body handles it. He's like, and honestly, I, I don't even have to take all the supplements anymore because there are certain vitamins that my body absorbs better than others. And he doesn't take all of them anymore because he doesn't need to. He's not low in certain parts, but he's still low in like vitamin D. So he still takes vitamin D and other stuff. But again, everybody's different. It's literally, there's, it's like, there's so much to this surgery that like, I didn't even realize. And for a second after the orientation, which was like an eight hour orientation, I, my, my parents, my wife was at work. My parents were in the living room. Uh, watching my daughter and I was in here on the, the office computer and I was in like a zoom, like Microsoft teams meeting, doing this orientation. I walked out of the room after, and my parents were like, well, and I was like, I don't know if I want to get the fucking surgery anymore. <laughs> and they were like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, it's scary. This is not, this is not a easy thing for me. I, my life is going to change after this surgery whether I like it or not. And I had to sit down and really think, do I want to do this? Uh, And again, it goes back to, well, what's the worst that's going to happen? I get skinny. Okay. I have to take some vitamins. Okay. Is, is the, is the good that can come out of it? Does it outweigh the bad, right? Like having a heart attack or, having a stroke, you know, not being able to see my daughter grow up, uh, not being around to do more podcasts with you. I mean, things like that. Those are things you really have to think about. Like, 
sure, I'm taking supplements for the rest of my life, but I'm alive. I'm, I'm not going to die, you know, in five years from a heart attack. Uh, these were things, dude, that I've sat and I've talked to my wife about. I've really sat and reflected on. I, I actually, without even really knowing until I said something, I know seven people personally that have had the same exact surgery done. And all seven people have told me without missing a beat that it is the best decision that they've ever made in their life and they would never go back. Mm. And that includes Pastor Terry. You know, uh, they all said, yeah, the supplements, it sucks. It's whatever. It's not a big deal. It's a fucking vitamin. You take it every morning and you're fucking good to go. But they got their lives back and they, they don't feel sick anymore. And they love the way that they look and feel. Uh, so yeah, I, and, and here's the thing, like I've been wanting to meet with a therapist, uh, for a long time, even without this surgery, you know, because when I was in high school, uh, I went through some shit with an ex-girlfriend of mine. It was actually the first girl I lost my virginity to my first real girlfriend. We were like tied at the hip together, man. Like, you know, Oh, I love you, baby. You're the love of my life. We're going to get married and have kids and you're my high school sweetheart and everything's great. And things didn't end up being so great after a year. And it really fucked us both up. And actually all through high school, from my freshman year through my senior year, uh, I was actually seeing uh, a school-appointed uh, crisis counselor is what they called them. But I felt like I was literally being talked to, I guess, by a therapist or, well, it, it, to an extent. Mm -hmm. But I actually really enjoy it. I like being able to sit down in a room with somebody and, like, just fucking vent and talk about whatever the fuck I want to talk about because the type of person that I am, dude, I hate keeping things inside drives me insane. It, I have terrible anxiety. It tears me up inside when I can't talk about something. And I just want to talk to anybody who's willing to listen to me because it makes me feel better. Even if they can't solve my problems. That's, I mean, that's, that's one of the, that's actually one of the best things. I, I did a video on this recently of a lot of people don't talk because they can't solve something and that then they don't talk about it. It's like, that's it's the worst thing because if you don't talk because you can't solve it, well, it's just going to fester in the background. So yes, you know, if, if at worst, what have you done? You've talked about it. So at least it's out there. Right. It's definitely right. Absolutely. It's definitely something to think, but I mean, yeah, I, Obviously, you know, losing the weight and everything is 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 definitely a good move in, in terms of health. I, uh, it's, it's definitely something I think you should um, make sure you talk to the therapist about. Um, Absolutely. Purely because it's that it's that. I mean, obviously, like you say, you know people. Uh, we know people that have had it. Um, but it's just knowing, it's knowing the worst outcome from from the best because it's it, they're both in the same field. Um, right. And if if a big part of it is a mental health decision as well as a physical one. That's where it needs to be. Cause I think a lot of this happens anyway is when it comes to fitness, when it comes to all this, I, I do think that mental health is forgotten a lot. Um, so right. it, it's kind of like, well, yes, you won't have a heart attack. Yes. You won't have a strike. Yes. You won't, you know, it'll probably do this and this and this. And it's like, yeah, but what if this, because right. especially if you, if you suffer from things like anxiety, that's going to fucking eat you as it goes. So yeah. um, weird enough, I had um, a shit experience with my first girlfriend that lost my virginity to as well. Um, 
One of our first first times, guys. Just yeah, she thought she was a witch, so um, she genuinely thought she could change her fucking eye color and stuff. She was crazy. Um, but again, as I said earlier, I may be remembering that wrong, and I'm actually the bad guy. Fuck knows. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you know we all need to talk to somebody uh, at some point. I think talking is definitely, as many people listening to this or have ever heard me speak can know, I never shut the fuck up. Um, but talking is always a good thing. I mean, weirdly for me, I don't talk to people. I just don't. I, I can't right. find anything in that. Um, you know, some people find it in different ways. That's why I always say to people, um, you know, your, your recovery and your therapy should be several pronged attack, you know, it doesn't just have to be a talking therapy. Um, if going for a run helps you, great. You find a lot of marathon runners and um, ultra marathon runners. If you actually talk to them about, you know, their mental health, they're the most fucked up people in the world. And I'm before anyone has a go at me for saying, oh, they're fucked up. I'm a fucking marathon runner, all right. Um, you know, it, it's one of those. It's one of those things because you just, it, you know, you end up finding that you're you're running away from the pain more than anything else. Um, music therapy music therapy jesus there's so much um you know research on music helping people with mental health especially with like um it, d dementia even like even like fully fucking like things that just seemingly normally happen there's a lot of stuff in it so it's always finding something that works best for you so if you can talk awesome if you right. can't there's still something else there um right you know or as we've as we started the discussion fucking find your geekdom find your find the place that's keeping you going and who the fuck cares whatever anybody else says about it you know like yeah. back in the back in the 90s you know no one okay you might have got away with link um because zelda and nintendo is popular but for most of the stuff in the background for for rex there um you'd have been called a geek if we go to the side of me which is just out i've got avengers um, Batman comics, Star Wars, Doctor Who, they've got all the fucking geek shit here as well. Like, both been, you know, very, oh, it's geeky and you don't do that. But now it's the most popular fucking thing. And now everyone's coming on board. I mean, Jesus Christ, look at dress up. Look at dressing up for like Trekkies and people like that. Yeah. Look oh, at all cosplay, that. how much yeah. geeking that was. And now look, oh, we have cosplay. Now all they've done, I swear to God, it pisses me off because all they've done is change the fucking name. All they've done is not called it dress up anymore. They've just called it fucking cosplay and suddenly it's sexy. Like what the fuck happened there? Like suddenly we've gone from, <laughs> oh, it, you know, oh my God, you complete geeky fucking, you know, that's the dorkiest thing in the world to, oh my God, that's so sexy. You're dressed up as a Romulan. The fuck? <laughs> it's, that's just the way it is now. And so, you know, yeah. if you find your geekdom, if you find something that's doing it, if you can't talk like Rex talks or you can't run like I, I run, find something because i guarantee you you might think it's it's um separate separating from everyone i guarantee you somebody else fucking likes it somebody else and probably a lot more people out there actually really like it so um was there anything else you wanted to um to, to say that or, or that i've cut you off from or anything else before we finish up um you know uh, i guess the last thing i'll say um to everybody who listens is that um you know, one thing that I had to learn coming on Twitch, uh, again, coming from an old school dad and uh, kind of rough around the edges and hardcore, you know, um, Twitch taught me that it is okay to not be okay. Like, it is okay to talk about your feelings. It is okay to uh, 
It is okay to hurt. It is, it's okay to cry. It is a normal human emotion where like, you know, my whole life growing up, it's like, don't be a pussy. Real men don't cry. It's, you know, that, that whole mentality, but you know, I never talked about mental health. I never talked about what it's like to have anxiety and depression and my biological dad. So the dad I've been talking about is my stepdad who raised me, but my biological father uh, is diagnosed schizophrenic and bipolar. Um, and I'm, I'm not a doctor. I don't know shit about it, but I don't know if, the, if, if mental health things like that are hereditary or could be hereditary. Um, I don't know, but all I know is that I've always had like really like severe anxiety and to where a point to where like I make myself sick sometimes and look, long story short, I realized on Twitch just from the amazing people that I've met online and the conversations that I've had that again, it is okay to not be okay. And it is okay to talk about your feelings and it is okay to be who you really want to be because places like Twitch or places like YouTube or places where people can geek out together. Um, you know, you have to remember that everybody on that platform is there because they're just like you. And at some point in their life, they probably felt the way that you're feeling. And that is why I love Twitch because I'm going to be honest, I was lonely and I was looking for a place to call home, a place where I could be surrounded by like-minded people. And it was okay to be me and not be made fun of or picked on, or you're a fucking geek or a nerd, or you collect action figures you're the 40 year old virgin or whatever they come up with um so twitch has been a massive help for me mentally uh just dealing with the anxiety and depression and also accepting that it's okay that i have a wall full of fucking world of warcraft action figures to the side of me and people actually think that's cool and i don't have to be ashamed of it so uh my message to everybody would be just do what you love, man. And, and it's okay to be who you are. Um, and if people tell you otherwise, fuck them. Cause they really don't have your best interest at heart. They really don't. And that's all I got. I mean, it's, anyone that knows me, that's pretty much my, um, my message in general. If somebody, if somebody disagrees with you, don't like you, whatever, fuck them. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. And, I, and just to go on to that, that doesn't matter who they are. I don't care if they're family. I don't care if they're friends for 20 years. Fuck them just because they are. They don't get to be cunts just because they're older than you. They don't get to be cunts just because it's your auntie's best. Fuck them. Fuck them right off. Um, and yeah, Twitch is a great place to go. I mean, I, on YouTube and wherever you can find people like you. Um, I mean, I actually found, uh, thinking about it, I, my first dalliance into Twitch before anything else was actually because I was following a YouTube channel called Comic Storian. Um, talking about comic books and doing D and, and doing D and D, which I've still never done. I just like watching. Um, but um, they moved on. To, they were doing it earlier on Twitch, so I went onto Twitch to see them. So yeah, there's always something you can find. And, and you know, my geekdom originally took me there before anything else. Um, I, okay, it's not what kept me there, but it is what took me there. Um, and geekdom is always there. And like you say, it is okay not to be okay. The follow up I will say is um, just don't let that just be the case though if you're not feeling like if you feel like shit talk to someone ring a number look at a website fucking play a game whatever it is 
it may not, it may be okay not to be okay, but it's not necessarily okay to linger in it because that's where the problem continues. So right. you can feel shit, and I'm not saying that it's bad for you to feel shit for days, but it isn't fucking good. It, something right. is happening there. So just make sure that you're you're you reach out in some way. If you feel that you're about to be bad, you know it's okay not to be okay. It's okay to take those duvet days. It's okay to be in fucking hell. But there's plenty of people that want to walk through it with you, so let them. Um, thank you so much for coming on with me, um, Mike, Rex, whatever the fucking get we're going to go with. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, um, thank you very much for coming on with me. If you have made it to the end of this, um, after we went through Barry Goldwater, Strom Thurmond and Bernie Sanders, fucking well done. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, give yourself a, a clap. And uh, thank you, everyone, for, uh, for coming along with this. Um, we'll be back next week, I think, talking about uh travel and what what makes people want to travel um but uh until then we'll see you later thanks everyone